Well, boys, what are you going to sing? The squeezer was not any use. A lemon without any juice. Chaperones. Right. So this was the importance of chaperones, and chaperones were there to basically 
ensure that the the women and the man who was single and unmarried stayed moral. Maintain that purity, that honor, that you know, I don't know, marketability. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just that yeah, crap. All that um, crap. And as per usual, the onus isn't on the men. And all the text I read about this isn't about like, oh, making sure that the, the man doesn't do anything. It's making sure that the woman stays pure, basically. I mean, if she caves to a sexual urge, she might, you know, enjoy herself. And we can't have that. Yeah. And, and no, <laughs> well, I think actually during the time it was a little bit more dire than that because women weren't working and they relied on men for, for their money. Sure. And um, if you did get a bad name for yourself, you might be unmarriable. Yeah. And you might not be able to survive so well. So I think that was kind of a bit of a route to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's patriarchy for you. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, to, to play a gooseberry does go, go on this phrase, uh, this idea about a chaperone. Right. Um, and this idea that somebody had to be present to make sure that they followed the correct codes of conduct and morals. Um, and, uh, I mean, nobody wanted this blooming chaperone with them right um watching them and i'm sure it was awkward as ever for the chaperone as well so what the chaperones would do is they would pretend not to be engaged with the date Mm -hmm. so they would be listening and in earshot but not necessarily like engaged with the with the couple Mm -hmm. um so they would have to busy themselves and one way of busying themselves was picking gooseberries Oh, so they'd be like within the vicinity, like yes. close enough to stop any hanky panky from happening. Like they got the spray bottle in their back <laughs> pocket, but with their hands, they're picking gooseberries. Yeah. What are are goose What are goose, gooseberries like? Um, this is a very good question. I don't know. Because they still they're still consumed. You can get jams and yeah. Maybe uh, I should pies. have I should have looked up gooseberry. Um, I, from what I was reading, it said it was kind of like a bitter. Bitterberry. Okay. Um, they used to be extremely commonplace in, particularly in Victorian England. Um, very, very commonplace. Most people had a gooseberry bush in their garden. Um, so if you went on a walk anywhere, particularly out in the countryside, you would come across plenty of gooseberry bushes for picking. I'm looking up gooseberries. Uh, sparingly natural. There's native to Europe, the Caucasus, and Northern Africa. The species is also sparingly naturalized in scattered locations in North America. Uh, yeah, they look. They don't look particularly appetizing. They look, uh, yeah, fairly tart. Oh, they're kind of prickly. They look like little cactuses. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the the idea wasn't necessarily what they were picking. It, it was more just that the, these these bushes were everywhere. Everyone sure. had one. And, in fact, um, something I was reading online was talking about how this phrase isn't so commonly used anymore because a lot of British people can't relate to it because a lot of British people have never seen a gooseberry in their life. Yeah, they don't appear to be used... Yeah, they're in desserts. They don't pies, know what they crumbles. are. Yeah, but they're not that common. Yeah. So people are like, apart from, I mean, I've never eaten a gooseberry or seen one. Um, so apart from it being a common turn phrase, right? Um, it's not something that we. It's come to be exclusively a third wheel. Basically, yeah. yeah. Nobody wants a gooseberry around. Yeah. They didn't look that tasty. Um, yeah. So I mean, the first use of it, um, written down, was in a glossary. Um, in a book called A Dialogue in Devonshire Dialect by Mary Palmers in 1837. Um, and the quote says, To play gooseberry is to give a pretext for two young people to be together. Okay. And just to give an idea as well, uh, you know, talking about the, the state of women during this time, um, when that book was published, uh, Mary Palmer didn't actually have her name associated with that book. She was just referred to as A Lady. 
<laughs> Just written by a lady. Just a lady. You know. That so, gal. So, so like in the bookstore, sort of alphabetically, it's like, oh, that's in the lady section. Just all the ladies who've written books. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, About womenly things, going on dates and picking fruit. And that's, that's basically where it came from. So, so now we say, oh, they're a bit of a gooseberry. It just means, you know, you're a third wheel. And that literally comes from someone being the third wheel on a date and being like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. Oh, look, here's a gooseberry bush and just pretending to pick gooseberries. Oh, they weren't even doing it for real. No, you're playing a gooseberry picker. That's how unappetizing gooseberries are? <laughs> you wouldn't even pick them for real? You'd just be walking around to the basket and, like, making a plunk plunk noise with your mouth when you pretended to pick one off? I don't know. I, I The phrase used to be, um, now we say playing gooseberry or just feeling like a gooseberry. Right. But back in the day, the, the full phrase was playing a gooseberry picker. Sure. So you were you were acting. Right. Yeah, because you're pretending, right? You, you're, like, not, you're not there to pick gooseberries. You're just pretending to pick gooseberries while Mr. Darcy, or whatever the bloke's name is, is trying it on with... <laughs> in, a, in, in what novel is that? <laughs> is that Pride and Prejudice? Yes. Okay. Is that Emma? Is that Sense of Sensibility? Mr. Darcy? No, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. I was about the first time. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but anyway. I just think you're, you're, you know, while you're down there, you might as well get some lunch. I, I don't know how good they were for eating. Because, they because didn't stand the test of time is th all I'm going to say. Think about the way that you're utilizing your time. You're both preventing young people from having fun. And when you're done, your reward is you bake yourself a nice pie. Yeah. Well, that wasn't in any of the literature. Okay. But. And then what else I found, which was a kind of interesting, is um, that uh, another turn of phrase uh, associated with the gooseberry um, is that the gooseberry was also a symbol of anticipation. Um, and when children asked where babies come from, they would often be told that they were found underneath the goo gooseberry bush. Oh, I mean, maybe if the chaperone wasn't paying close attention. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how it ties in. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's also a common turn of phrase um, that embarrassed parents or nannies would tell them they were found beneath the goose, gooseberry bush. And that explanation persisted until the 1920s. Huh, so like with, historic. Or... As with the role of chaperones. Oh, okay. And then something happened to chaperones? Well, they all got hired by the gooseberry industry <laughs> and they were put out of work. Um, I think feminism happened to the chaperones, Jacob. Oh, terrific. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The suffragette movement. You know, these things. Yeah. Okay. That timeline does line up, actually. <laughs> yeah. And people um, saw less need for them. Correct. Yeah. Okay. It does make me angry, though, that it's like, we need something to keep women pure. Not like, let's teach men not to be... And that's an ongoing still. <laughs> but anyhow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of... I, I do also think it's funny. I have this picture in my head of uh, people in the Victorian times and, and like, flirting really uh, awkwardly <laughs> while somebody stands behind them and goes, Don't mind me! I'm just going to pick some gooseberries! And they're not even doing it. <laughs> they put one in the mouth and they're repelled by its horrible taste. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I love this phrase is because it is just so different to third wheel. I feel like third wheel now, uh, like, is used so commonly around the world. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so obvious what third wheel means. You sure. know, you need two wheels to ride a bike, you don't need a third one. Um, well, but then you have a tricycle, which is a real thing. 
Sure. That's the, like if you put a third. And wheel I'm on sure a... many polyamorous people are like, yeah, tricycles, guys. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be able to do it if you didn't have the three wheels. If, if two of those wheels are missing, I mean, if the front one went missing, you have a Segway. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a third wheel on a bicycle isn't particularly functional unless it's like training wheels, but you're good on one side and your problem is t- making left turns. You know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so third wheel is such a common phrase that, that everybody knows from working on ships and meeting people from all different cultures. Right. You know, people generally all understood the term third wheel. But people, if you said I felt like a gooseberry, they'd be like, what are you talking about? One, I've never heard of the berry. You're talking about fruit. What does this have to do with people? Sure. And there you go. There's the explanation. All right. But one of the other things um, I do find very interesting is that other countries also have different ideas or terminology surrounding the idea about the third wheel. Okay. Um, and I learned this, you, you know, that I had a bit of a fascination with this on cruise ships. Right. And when I used to meet someone with a different language, I would be like, in your language, how do you what's express... Your slang what's your expression? Because yeah. I always thought that playing a gooseberry was so kind of strange that maybe somewhere around the world they have sure. a different expression to mean the same kind of thing. It is very British. It is. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to share a couple of these at the end of the podcast because I, I think they're rather amusing. Sure, well, we're basically there, so. Um, so uh, one of them that I, these, I was told on the um, ship is that in Spanish, it's actually referred to as a candle holder, not a third wheel. Okay. And it just literally means you imagine two people on a date uh-huh. and the third person is the person holding the candle. It's the <laughs> candle holder. Literally in between. Literally, literally in between the two people holding the candle. Sure. Trying to be romantic, but <laughs> their job could be done by an inanimate object. <laughs> right. Um, in Portuguese, it's just candle, like uh-huh. you are the candle. Um, and in Latin America, it's violinista or violinist. Oh, okay. So the person Another playing person there, the violin yeah. in between the couple, like the third wheel. Cute for the period, but it'd be kind of awkward if they stuck around the whole uh-huh. time. Yeah. Um, in Welsh, more related to the, the wheel, they say spare wheel, which I think makes more sense than third wheel. Like right. the spare wheel in the in the boot of your car, the trunk of your car. Well, that almost sounds like they're a backup. Oh like, yeah. If, if one person in the date goes down, all right, we got another person here. <laughs> yeah, if you're courting and you're like, oh, I'm not so into you, but the chaperone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they winked at me while picking gooseberries, and now I'm all over it. That must be like that's like the unwritten Jane Austen novel about the guy who falls in love with his uh, potential partner chaperone. <laughs> That must be something. <laughs> the middle-aged woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, we'll get to writing that straight after yeah. this. Um, I found out uh, it's quite hard to do this um, when you're looking up online because I kept Googling third wheel in other languages and it kept just directly translating third wheel sure. instead of the general concept. Right. Um, so those ones I know from speaking to people from that part of the world. Um, I tried to look it up in Irish and apparently the Irish word for third wheel roughly translates to odd bird. So I'm going to have to talk to somebody who knows Gaelic and try and find out odd bird, what that means and what the connection is there. Well, bird is slang for like, not, not in Ireland. That's British slang for women. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you're just the odd bird that flies. I mean, I've heard, I've heard British men refer to women as odd birds. (laughs) Uh, that just means you're a bit of a strange woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that sort of applies in this case. Uh, chaperone is a strange She's not woman. even actually picking the berries. What an odd bird. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Um, I, I saw one um, that suggested in Indonesia, 
and please, I might be completely wrong if you're from Indonesia, you're like, Annie, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, when I looked it up online, it said mosquito repellent was a term they used for third wheel. Oh my god. <laughs> so like that leads me to believe that like if you're upper class in Indonesia, then you have someone who joins you on a date just to get rid of mosquitoes. <laughs> in the same way that you might have a violinist or a gooseberry picker. No, I think I think I don't know. Maybe it just means I, honestly, I couldn't really get my head around that one. Mosquito repellent. All right, we got a, a beautiful night planned. I've arranged for a <laughs> private chef. I got a violinist to play. We got a chauffeur. We got mosquito repeller. We got everything. I don't know. After spending some time in that part of the world, it, mosquito repellent is, is definitely a necessity. <laughs> they loved me. Um. <laughs> if, like, there's, two, like, two people and there's, like, a really romantic moment is happening and it's, like, they're just leaning into the kiss and then you hear the mosquito repeller go, don't, no, don't! <laughs> and it's, like, a, yeah, spraying bugs away. I don't know. A vital role is being played because malaria is very dangerous. It's a shame that we don't have somebody from uh, Indonesia to help us out here and be a guest speaker and explain this one to me. Because, yeah. Uh, I would find that super interesting. The most depth I got was um, that it kind of, it means third wheel, but also a variant on third wheel in that um, not just having an extra person there that's not wanted, but going so far as like pretending someone's not really there and not focusing your attention on them and only focusing your attention on your boyfriend or girlfriend. Sure. Um, so in that respect, respect maybe you're repelling the extra person like a mosquito maybe that's the only connection i could really well then you're saying that the other person is the mosquito <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> which is also a really great term for this because <laughs> uh, talk about an unwanted guest <laughs> talk about a fun time ruiner okay and the last one i'm gonna end this on um i was lucky enough when i worked in cruise ships to work with a lot of people from china um and i thought the culture was fascinating um and i made some really good friends um and one of my friends who was from China uh, was explaining to me that um, in China, the phrase that means third wheel translates directly to light bulb or electric bulb. Okay. And so I questioned them and I said, hmm, why, like, why a light bulb? Um, and they said, because when the light's on, you can't have fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Awesome. <laughs> and when just double checking my resources and looking this up for the podcast, I literally found something online that basically said the same thing. Great. That um, if you have a really bright electric light, um, that. Especially a big buzzing one. Yeah, it's yeah. just going to interfere with, I guess the PG version is the romantic mood. Right. But literally, my friend was like, the light's on, there's no fun. <laughs> No hanky-panky with the light on. That's a great one. Yeah, oh, so I thought so that was very funny. Um, yeah, if you have any more, yeah, <laughs> email we, us. We, I love to hear these. We will definitely read them out if you send them to us, if you know any other terms for third wheel slash gooseberry slash light bulb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Send us an email. It's podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, if you like this podcast, and you, uh, we would really appreciate some reviews. And the easiest way to give us a review is to go to rate that podcast slash boo to a goose now some people are wondering is it rate this podcast or rate that podcast.com slash boo to a goose actually it's both so no matter no matter which one you remember rate this podcast or rate that podcast both will get you there rate that podcast.com slash boo to a goose is how you can give us a review a review and a rating and it really helps us out in terms of visibility on whatever streaming service for podcasts that you use 
Um, also, if you have any more suggestions for other episodes, uh, you can use those in your reviews or you can send us an email. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I am Jacob. And I'm Annie. And you've listened to Boot of a Goose. And remember, nobody says potato. Well, boys, you can say now, now. Weezer without any use. A lemon without any juice. Boo, 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 boo. She couldn't say boo to a goose. Yeah. To a Goose is produced by Will Scoville as a part of the Comedio Network. Thanks to Hannah Wardle for the art and Max Abrams for the theme song, She Couldn't Say Boo to a Goose. Send any questions or comments to boo to a goose podcast at gmail.com. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said, SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at SupDocPodcast.